SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. All right. So yesterday we saw um, a nice launch, something nice for a change, isn't it? Yes, something lovely for a change, a launch of Women in Innovation. And this is a program that is uh, headed by the Department of Science and Innovation. And uh, we are so delighted this afternoon to be speaking to Dr. Film Jaha, who is a director general in the Department of Science and Technology. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us, Doc. Welcome to the program. Yes, thank you very much, and uh, good afternoon uh, to the listeners, Tamil. And by the way, congratulations on being the <laughs> DG of the year. Congratulations on that. I think it's important for us to highlight that. It's important because all we hear these days is is just corruption, corruption, corruption. So it is important that we bring this up and say congratulations on really um, carrying this particular department um, and, and just doing clean governance. I think it's important for us to highlight that. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Talk to us about Women in Innovation that was launched yesterday by your department. Why do we need to start this particular program and what brought it about? Well, Women in Science program, we celebrate it every year around um, mid-August, as as we do in the country. And over the years, we celebrate these women because, one, uh, we didn't uh, think that the numbers of women researchers in the science system uh, are aligned with our demographics, so we are working towards providing support to women to reach over 50%. Uh, but secondly, we felt that a range of uh, challenges that we have in society, sometimes uh, if you have a challenge, you are the best person. Uh, to find a solution uh, to that problem. And we do know in South Africa there are a range of challenges uh, that uh, uh, we are faced and women have played and continue to play a significant role in identifying innovations uh, that can address uh, some of these challenges. And what is even more important these days is that because of the advances in the biological sciences and some of the areas such as uh, information technologies, we find that uh, harnessing the research that women are performing uh, helps us to meet these two broad challenges. Dr. Mjoha, explain this to us. Um, yesterday it was highlighted that um, research, desktop research, indicated that coronavirus pandemic has reduced the number of publications, alluding to what you're saying now, by women in South Africa. And in fact, um, an analysis of 12,000 publications and 1.9 million news reports between the 1st of March and the 15th of April in 2020, um, conducted by analysis groups, was that the number of women output was far less than that of men. What's the reason for this? Do we know? Well, I think uh, some of these challenges are systemic uh, challenges, and some of them are challenges based on the conditions that the women find themselves in. What we have done as a department working with the National Research Foundation is to try and understand these systemic challenges. Mm. And we are beginning to get an understanding of where we need to make interventions. For an example, we are working with institutions uh, of research, so these would be the science councils as well as uh, the universities, to establish if they have specific policies that are designed to promote women researchers. Mm. 
If you go to the United States of America, everyone remembers that women have to, at some stage, uh, go and uh, be pregnant and be away from work because they're delivering uh, children for, for, for us. Now, do we penalize them for that time when they're away, or do we create incentives for integrating them and or allow them uh, to think of innovative ways that they can continue to do research, if possible, whilst they're doing So this, will, this is one uh, challenge that we've identified, that sometimes institutional policies need to be uh, re-looked at and, and to find out whether uh, we can if you like, distort policies to support women-specific challenges. The second one is we conducted a study which uh, we found, which is called silent majority. Yes. So basically means that we have a large number of researchers in the institution, mm-hmm. maybe with master's degrees, mm. others with PhD degrees, mm. but they are not being encouraged mm. to apply for research funds at the National Research Foundation, for an example. Mm-hmm. So uh, the two departments, higher education and training ourselves at the TSI, because we now belong to the single ministry, we are then engaging again the institutions to say, what should we be doing to make sure that we either have mentors uh, within the institutions or outside the institutions to work with these women researchers and, of course, black researchers to encourage them bring them, uh, mentor them so they can write research proposals, how they go about getting additional money. So these are just two examples of systemic challenges that need to be addressed. So sometimes the the, the number is not going down because women are not productive, Mm -hmm. because we have these systematic challenges, Mm -hmm. systemic challenges that need to be addressed. And we think that we understand uh, these, and then in the next couple of Yes, uh, we will then be developing policies and incentives to make sure that uh, the, the original objective of getting over 50% of women researchers publishing and being in senior positions in the academic institutions is, is, is met. Dr. Mjohan, I mean, I mean, I know this is not where you would have come in, but surely it's a concern also for the universities, institutions or research um, organizations. What interventions are they speaking of at the moment? Well, I think uh, the first one is they've agreed that they need to relook at their policies mm. uh, because this is a resource that that you have and mm. you're not tapping into, mm. and it doesn't make sense that you don't because even for the universities, remember, when the publications go up, they get money yes. back into the institutions when that happens. Yes. So it's a no-brainer that mm. you have to do this, not because they are, <laughs> these are women researchers, yes. but as I say, because you will get the, uh, the, 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 the institutions and reward as an institution. The second one, as I've said, is, is, is the second objective of, of why we have these uh, uh, awards, because we need to know that this country is faced with many challenges, mm. social challenges, economic challenges, and so forth. And women researchers have been excellent. And you probably would have picked up one or two examples in the webinar of research that has been done by cutting-edge research, cutting down by women researchers, which uh, have to help us to solve these problems in the country. And therefore, um, 
the institutions also agree. Yes, they've come back to us and say, give us more money for, 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 for women researchers to, to embark on innovation. And uh, we, we, we were lucky last year, we were given some additional money from Treasury uh, to focus not only on just research for the sake of research, but uh, research that will have solution to society innovation time. So again, uh, when I talked about incentives, mm-hmm. we are now working to find out how uh, the innovation fund mm-hmm. could also be skewed towards accelerating innovations that are coming from research that women are performing. So uh, again, on our side, we think we, we, we can play the part. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've been also funding at the research institutions, offices of technology transfer. So these are offices that go and stay in research tea rooms or tea rooms where researchers are, when they talk about the innovations, they start looking at whether these things can be taken into the marketplace. So these are sort of three specific interventions that we're also working on at this point in time. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of what you're doing, which is what you're responsible for as government, but your engagements with the the, the private sector, because this is a societal problem, you know, so Mm. it's also quite important that they are in as well. Um, I know that you're saying that there's a bit more money that's gone into funding innovation, but I imagine that society, all of us benefit from innovation that comes from these scientists. Mm. What engagements are you having with these stakeholders, private sector stakeholders? At two levels. Um, the, the, the first one is engaging with them on the investment that we have made in the science system over the years mm. that can now be matured for the private sector to take into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. We are finalizing, you would remember that last year, we developed a new white paper on science, technology and innovation. And out of that, we are developing a plan uh, to implement those policies. And one of them is to look at how we can promote uh, research in certain sectors of the economy. For instance, if we have this abundance of platinum, how can we look at where platinum is used and develop products in South Africa mm-hmm. where platinum is being used? Then we would be happy to share with your listeners and yourself that we have a program where IP that comes from one of our public institutions that we have been funding over the years has now been included in a a device called fuel cell. A fuel cell is basically a device that converts uh, uh, hydrogen into electricity. We are now, uh, last year, uh, no, this year, during COVID, Mm -hmm. we had about five of these fuel cells that have about 40-50% of local content Mm -hmm. uh, that were delivered at one military hospital uh, here in Pretoria. Ah. And the exciting thing about this initiative is that the private company that is working with the public institution I refer to is a woman-owned business. So we're extremely delighted about this because, uh, of course, uh, the private sector in this case uh, has also funded because the, the, the the woman-owned business is also getting money from, shall we say, uh, development finance mm-hmm. institutions. So they are coming to the uh, to the party. But on the other ones that I was referring to, these research, development, and innovation plans for se- sectors of the economy. Mm. In agriculture, for instance, we've been re- working with the, the, the Wheat and Cereal Trust, mm-hmm. which is a private uh, sector organization, uh, harvesting partnerships between the public institutions that have been looking at 
drought-resistant crops mm-hmm. for wheat. Mm. And this has been, been piloted, for instance, in a number of small farms on in the Western Cape and, and here in, in, in Gauteng. So I think the private sector is fund, which is a private, uh, private sector-owned, led investment to harvest innovations from the, uh, uh, from the public sector. So it's another mm. private-public partnership. So um, I've given you what the private sector is, yeah. is doing to begin to come to the party, but also women-owned businesses as part of, again, harvesting innovation. There's another example of the work that we've been doing in Stellenbosch on uh, solar panels that can be deployed in in in, in, in rural settings, mm-hmm. but also in... What you, in, in taxi ranks for people to charge their cell phones, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps in a rural setting where you don't have electricity. It's a woman-owned business that is a spin-out out of the research that we funded out of the uh, University of Stellenbosch. So the, the, the activities are quite broad, mm-hmm. and let's, we think these are small steps that are taking us towards what we want to achieve. Let me, let me take a quick break, Dr. Mjoha, and then I'm going to open the lines, 011-714-2006. Your comments, your questions here on SAFM's Life Happens. Let's have the conversation. WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Good afternoon, Pamela, and your guest. I've got a question for your guest. Is there a relationship between the Department of Science and Technology with the schools as early as uh, the grades that are doing technology as a subject? I'm just uh, curious because there should be synergy between the departments so that the teachers that are teaching technology can be in the same page with the Department of Science and Technology into, into what is required in the future for solutions around technology. That is my question to your guest. Thank you very much. This is TKM Nambit. Dr. Phil Mjoha is the Director General of the Department of Science and Innovation. And let me come back to you, Dr. Mjoha. And I suppose he's speaking to the fact that we all know that the higher education, science and innovation is now one ministry. The question is, to what extent are you also a part of basic education? And this is an important one because we often hear that with education, we have these wonderful plans, but you also have to meet the plans with the the kind of capacity that's required. So learners and teachers, teachers that are able to teach us subjects that are ever evolving. And it's, it's not because they are bad teachers, but the technology and science move so quickly. You do need extra support for that. Yes, uh, we, 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 we do. Uh, as when you introduced me, you said I'm from the Department of Science and Technology. We are actually now science and innovation. Yes. And this has, a, this has significance because the mandate that we've been given with the I instead of a T is that we have to work with all government departments to facilitate, encourage, and make sure innovation uh, goes across the entire state mm-hmm. uh, and society. Okay. So with the Department of Basic Education, mm-hmm. we have set up a team that looks at a variety of things around technology, starting of course, with making sure that uh, we improve our maths and science uh, students or learners mm. uh, that qualify with the right bachelor's uh, um, qualification to go to, to university. Uh, secondly, um, we have now started to look at those aspects that are brought about by the fourth industrial revolution and working with the department on the 
issues of what will the students of the future need, mm. and then, of course, ultimately the teachers. The department has introduced curriculum changes and coding. We, on our side, are working on uh, developing, for an example, uh, coding in uh, data scientists that is needed for solutions at a Council for Scientific and Industrial Research. Mm-hmm. So it, we have to then have an interface between the curriculum that the Department of Basic Education is putting and the application areas further down the line. We also have identified, I think, four schools, uh, one in the Eastern Cape, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where we have introduced tablets as a way of looking at whether introducing tablets can provide better cognitive capability by young uh, learners. Is this, is this, uh, this from, study has, from, from what grade would that be, uh, Dr. Mujara? I think it's a mid, mid-grade, mm-hmm. so um, Maybe old four. school, this is what, uh, yes, it's okay. grade four, right. they're about, okay. up to. And, and, and what has been happening in this pilot is that it was a controlled pilot. Mm-hmm. You give learners tablets, mm-hmm. you then work with the teachers, and then the HSRC has been evaluating whether, mm-hmm. because of the tablets, are the kids having better cognitive capability. Mm-hmm. Now, if we find that that is the case, then working with the Department of Basic Education, we will then be rolling these programs out to the other schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the answer is yes, mm-hmm. uh, and there is a formal structure between ourselves and the Department of Basic Education. But these are just a few examples to illustrate that we have already started to work together. You have a bigger problem, and it's not just for you. I think it's a societal problem, and that is of making science and innovation sexy and attractive, right? <laughs> so it's a problem because you, if a society doesn't see that, um, we, we lag behind. There will be other societies mm. that will, you know, surpass what it is that we have as a potential. Because if mm. I decide, sitting where I'm sitting, that it's more important to highlight or celebrate, I don't know, maybe the arts over science, mm. it, it, it's mm. got a ripple effect in society. Um, and mm. so we, we all need to find a way in which, as I celebrate my superstar, my, my, my musician, I also need to celebrate somebody who is working on a rocket. The problem, though, mm. is that science takes a while um, you need patience and and sometimes people take a lifetime to come up with with innovation and and uh, solutions how do we how do we do that how are we going to make it attractive for young people mm-hmm. to 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 find the interest and the patience to follow mm-hmm. in this particular line of work mm. yes we we accept that this is an area where we haven't done as best as we would like it to be so we, we've amended an act of one of our entities, the National Research Foundation, uh, to focus on what we call the public public awareness and public engagement program. Uh, it was not funded before, uh, and I think from this year next year, we would like to earmark up to 4% of the science budget towards these activities of public engagement and, and public awareness in, from, from young to old. Um, so this program is being refined now in line of this institutional mandate that the NRF has, and, and they will be working with all parts of society to do this. For an example, we have, I think, up to 35 science, science centers across the country. You probably know one in Joburg called Saibono. We've got one in Cape Town uh, around the observatory 
area and then KZN and so forth. So we're using this, the, 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 these uh, science centers to have kids out of school to come and see wonders of science and what science can do and probably more linked to their careers. But we also then want to add in these science centers some innovations uh, especially innovations that are coming from South Africa. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. It is amazing how much we don't know of innovations that are coming out of our own country. Yeah. People probably know the creepy crawly. I listened. I recently learned mm-hmm. that when you drive along the beach, yes. those concrete uh, uh, slabs yes. that yes. they put in there, they look like tea yes. part uh, concrete yes. they, they they absorb the waves yes. all of those are, are, are science, are science uh, and innovation activities that are coming from south africa you, you probably know at this point in time that uh, i don't know how many people that we have two companies in south africa that are going to uh, locally manufacture vaccine that is currently yes. being yeah. tested and so you're absolutely right we need to do a lot more to excite ourselves about innovation and that sometimes you don't have to go out of the country mm-hmm. to look for these innovations they're somewhere in the system we need to appreciate them harvest them and use them to solve the range of challenges that we have all right dr film joha thank you so much for making the time to talk to us he's a director general of the department of science and innovation that brings us to 130 let's go to nandika bukas for the latest in headlines